Hi everyone and welcome back to A Drop in the Bucket. This is a podcast about mental well-being where we use the analogy of a stress bucket to think about what affects our mental health and what helps us to cope and feel well. We are a primary school teacher and a clinical psychologist who love talking to people about their experiences and we want to share these conversations with you. Welcome to Series 2, Episode 7. Welcome back everybody. This week we have Sophie Bradley with us. Sophie is a social media coach and given that Sarah taught me how to use Instagram on New Year's Eve last year, I think we probably need her. So Sophie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, lovely to be here. We start as always with your icebreakers. So to kick us off, if you could have only one of your five senses, which one would you choose? Sight. I just think for me, I'm such a visual person, which is why I love Instagram. Um, it's not all about social media, I know, but, but, I, but I am. I'm such a visual person and I was brought up with parents who are very creative. They're both artists and it's so important to me to see. And I feel things through colours and uh, shapes as well. So it's so, so important to me to be able to see. Awesome. And which fictional character would you most want to be your friend? Mary Poppins, because Ooh. I love her bag. I want her bag with all the goodies in it because it's a bit like, I suppose I'm a bit like that myself and that I love to have lots of goodies to be able to give to people so that people can learn new things and sort of see the world in a beautiful way. And that's how I see Mary Poppins with this amazing bag with all these wonderful things in that make life a little bit more sparkly and, and okay and good and especially in these times of COVID, <laughs> I'd like Mary Poppins' bag, actually, to be able to sparkle that. That's such a lovely way to see that. See, I was just thinking I've got so much junk that would be great <laughs> to fit into a bag and not be seen. So that's a much nicer way to see that. I know, yeah. I was just thinking, my first thought was, oh, yeah, she'd be a really useful person to have with you on a night <laughs> out. Like, yeah, Could you carry my shoes and my purse? Yeah. And like... Isn't that weird? Gosh, I didn't see it at all like that. I just saw a bag of goodies and, and, and yeah, wow. That's lovely though. Yeah, That's yeah no, it is. But, but, to see it. Well, I, I, I quite like yours now, actually. I'm going to adopt a bit. I'm going to blend the two together and adopt a bit of both, I think, actually. Yeah. yeah. So she can carry a few of my things, Mary. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what is your favourite season and why? Spring. I'm a summer baby. I was born in the summer, but I love spring, the temperature, the renaissance, the rebirth, the leaves coming out, the blossom. And yeah, it's just an awakening. And you feel that you can breathe again after a hard winter of rain and cold and wind. Mm. So yeah, that's why. Nice. Okay, here are your quick five. Uh, Milk or dark chocolate? Dark chocolate. Paper or electronic diary? Paper. Starter or dessert? Dessert. Big party or small gathering? Small gathering. And the question that divides us as hosts, to nap or not to nap? Oh, to not. Ooh. <laughs> I'm so pleased to have someone else on my team. We've, Sorry. Had, we've had a good run of people on my team for this. 
I feel like we need to count them up in this season and figure out like who's winning. Well, you know how one of the things we talk about on this podcast is how nice it is to hear other people who have the kind of same experiences as you and think the same way and it's really validating. I'd started to think that I was just really weird and unusual. No, the thing is with um, napping is that, and I, I know it's supposed to be actually a really good thing to do to have a little nap and then sort of you know, get the mind to calm down and everything. But I always feel worse after it. Yes. I really do. I feel groggy and I feel a bit lost. So I'm like, I don't really want to have that feeling. So I prefer to actually sleep. You know what I mean? And have a good sleep um, rather than napping. That's just me personally because I wake up and think, Ugh, and I feel grotty. And, you know, so, yeah. The same. Don't know where I am. Doesn't feel yeah, right. Yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, whereas I can, I could lie down pretty much anywhere, close my eyes, have a good hour or so <sighs> nap and I'll feel great for it. Well, that sounds that sounds really lovely as well, <laughs> but I don't experience it like that. So, so no napping for me. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us today. Could you start by telling us a little bit more about yourself and your experiences of mental health? Yeah, this is a weird one actually because I was going to do the usual thing of talk about what I do, but actually I don't want to talk about what I do because that doesn't that's not who I am. So, I am a person. I'm a woman. I'm a perimenopausal woman, actually, and I'm going to put that in because it does affect me in relation to my mental health as well. But I'm a woman who adores dogs. I have the most amazing Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, um, who is my little therapy dog. And she is a therapy dog as well out in the community. Not at the moment, unfortunately. And I love design and photography and creativity yeah, so that's what I love and that's what I'm about. I'm a very passionate person. I'm married to the most amazing person, amazing man, really is creative as well. And, and what I do, I am a social media coach, as you said, and I predominantly focus in working with small businesses to help them to understand the beauty of social media. And there is a beauty in it. And also to understand what social media can be in terms of creating good and raising the most amazing, you know, brand awareness and promoting your business and championing others and building communities. And that's how I see social media. And I work with small businesses to really build that passion into them. This is not a sales <laughs> pitch here. This is just why I got involved with it. But I'm going to say that prior to doing that, I used to be a social worker and I was a social work team manager. And this is poignant in relation to my mental health and my mental health that deteriorated over a period of time. So I was a social worker uh, working with children and families for a long period of time, working with families experiencing domestic abuse and substance misuse and mental health difficulties. And prior to that, I was a teacher working with children with special educational needs. And years and years of working in that profession was amazing, absolutely amazing. And one of the best things I've ever done. And I worked with the most amazing people, very challenging situations. And years and years of working in that profession within the social work profession, unfortunately, led to me three years ago, um, having complete and utter burnout, uh, where I was no longer able to 
function. It manifested in PTSD, uh, severe anxiety and depression linked to that. Basically, I, yeah, I couldn't function anymore. I couldn't get up. I couldn't dress. I couldn't walk. I couldn't think. I couldn't do anything anymore. And I had worked with people with mental health difficulties for many, many years and had thought I'd understood mental health difficulties. And I'd had depression and anxiety as a teenager, and I'd had it as an adult later on in life, but it was very low level. Again, I'd experienced anxiety sort of on and off throughout my adult life. But this was something I I couldn't comprehend. I, I, don't, I didn't know that this was what the body could and the mind could become when it was very unwell. But, um, but I got better. Um, I got better through this voice within. I'm not saying I was hearing voices because I wasn't, but this voice within that literally that strength within us all, and I truly believe we have this, that when you're in the deepest pit and in the deepest, darkest place, says to you that there's hope. And all the tools and strategies that I'd used and, and, and helped other people to help themselves to get better during very difficult um, situations, I remembered them even in my very darkest place. And they helped me to realise that people could get better and therefore I could get better. And even thinking along the lines of, I need to get up and I need to eat. I need to get up and I need to dress. I need to build in routines again. I need to be able to go out and walk without fearing my surroundings around me. Made me build in little routines that enabled me to understand that I was progressing and I was moving very, very tiny steps away from this horrific place that I'd found myself in. But it was this voice within that, as I said, from all the experiences I'd had of working with people who'd been very unwell, but also knowing that even at low level, for me that is low level, depression and anxiety that I'd experienced over the years, I'd always managed to move away from that, that I could do that again. But I didn't do it in isolation, <laughs> no way. I did it through the help of an amazing doctor, a GP, who I found by luck, who I'd never worked with before, who heard what I wasn't saying to her and would then reflect it back to me. And I could then digest that in a way that I felt I was being contained and I was being understood and I was being supported. And so, and it wasn't about medication. It wasn't about, although I did go on to antidepressants because I was in such a terrible place, but, but it was much more than that. And then I had the most amazing therapist as well and unfortunately, through, very sadly, through the NHS, I, I couldn't access support quick enough because I wasn't at that crisis level that required immediate support there and then. And it was very sad for me to hear that because I'd worked in a profession and in the field for a very long time and known the difficulties that people had experienced to access support, but had but recognised three years ago that it was actually worse than when I was working in that field 
And so I had to go private. And that almost goes against the grain because I'm, I, I don't want to. You know, I, I believe in the NHS and I believe in supporting you know, and working with these amazing people. But I, I, ha I knew that by the time I wanted to access support, I knew based on where I was at in my journey of recovery that I needed it sooner than the NHS could provide it. So I had to go private. And I found this amazing woman who had worked with war veterans in relation to PTSD. And she again listened and, and heard what I wasn't saying, but also understood how I as a person learn and how I take in information and the necessity for me to be able to see things in a visual way to to show how the brain works to show how our thought processes work you know and why we're behaving in a certain way this woman it was just amazing actually how I just understood what she was saying even in this terrible place and I trusted her and I believed her and I could see that it made sense that that is why the brain was acting in the way it was, because it was unwell and it had had years of traumatic experiences through predominantly my work and it couldn't cope with it. It was bruised. It was like, you know, a muscle in a leg when you've been hurt and you're injured and you can't walk anymore. Well, that's how I then viewed my brain, that this, the same thing, that my brain was injured in the same way as if I'd had a fall. And I had actually had a fall. And that made it seem okay, that I wasn't going mad and I wasn't odd, that my brain had just got unwell. And because it had got unwell, it could get better. Yeah. That was so amazing to think I can get better. And because I was... Each time I went, I could actually see I am getting better because last time I couldn't get here without help or I, I had a panic attack on the way or I was having terribly, you know, intrusive thoughts. But this time I haven't. And so I could map my progression with her. And then my husband, the most amazing man who I said actually was the best therapist ever because he had never experienced anything like this in his life never had to deal with anything like it. But he again heard what I wasn't saying. But he also made it real. So if I was saying about, you know, how awful I was feeling within myself, he related it to things that he'd experienced in his own head himself, but maybe not at the same level. And again, what it did, it almost brought it back down a level. So I was thinking I'm hyper vigilant I'm hyper you know aware of what's going on um, and he would bring it back down to a calmer level by saying almost I've experienced something similar not the same I, I often say to my clients that you know when when they are being really hyper vigilant or really struggling with anxiety you know often like you say people come in and they think they're going crazy and their brain is broken in some way and I say actually your brain is doing exactly what it's supposed to do it's working really well it's just working it's almost like too well in this particular area at the moment it's like it's gone it's got stuck on on one process and it's ignoring yeah. some of the others and it's going into overdrive but it's not that it's doing something that it isn't supposed to be doing it's just doing it too much or too frequently um, and like I say yeah you're missing other things so there is there's that everybody understands the feeling of being anxious everybody understands the feeling of being sad and it's not to say 
you know, oh, I, I get, I, I understand, I get where you, you know, you're coming from, because sometimes that's really frustrating. And you want, you want to say, actually, I, I don't think you do understand where I am. Hmm. But equally, knowing that, that these processes, these thoughts, these feelings, they are normal. And I think that's what it was. Yeah. And it was seeing in a, a person who had no, but had not been involved in anything like this in his life before, was able to normalise my hyper vigilant you know hyper state but not in a way that was patronizing in any capacity but just brought me back down it's a bit like you know you're on a high and someone literally does give you something you know that that brings you back down <laughs> to a different level slightly and 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 like you said normalizes and that's exactly what he did do it was wonderful I think it's validating isn't it and whether it's a professional that you trust or someone in your life that you trust when those people say to you what you're feeling is real and and you're right to be feeling it, it releases something that it gives you permission, uh, mm. I think. And I think equally, uh, when you know that those people are stable influences, when they do sort of a sense check on what you're feeling, there's something very releasing and validating in that as well. And it calms things down because you go, I don't need to worry that I'm going crazy or that nobody gets this actually all these very smart sensible people in my life are saying no I get it and mm. you're right and and you'll get better and I think like you said about um uh, physical injury versus mental injury uh, you know actually I think the more that we more that we normalize mental health being just as valid and as real as physical health and recovery from both being really key actually that gives people permission as well to kind of say I remember the first day and it was only this year and I've like, I've been on a mental health journey for a while but the first day this year that I actually said at work I'm not mentally well enough to be in school so I've done the opposite to you so I trained as a social worker first oh, wow. and then I've gone and then I've gone into teaching <laughs> okay. so I did the opposite way okay. and it was the first time that I was able to verbalize in the same way that if I would say I'm physically not well enough to be in school, I was able to say I'm mentally not well enough to be in school today. Yeah, it was a big deal. A clap. No, it is. It's huge. I was so proud of Sarah when she told me that she did that. But I was so impressed with her work for how they responded and essentially yeah. just went, OK, then go home. Like, yeah. that's that's OK. And not and it wasn't then like, oh, no, she must be falling apart. How can we possibly entrust children with her? Yeah. They went, OK we'll check in tomorrow and see if you're doing better. If not, we'll see you next week. Or, you know, there was really no pressure about it at all. And I was so impressed. And actually, as it happened, I took that day and then the following day, and I was back after that. It is insane that we are only just starting for that to be acceptable, I think, in workplaces. Work, work, you know, were really, really good with me um, when this happened. And really tried to support me to come back and return to work. And I really wanted to, I genuinely, you know, I really wanted to return to a job that actually, although I knew probably wasn't the right thing for me, was actually something I really was very passionate about. I love people. I, I think, you know, enabling people to help themselves to, gosh, I sound so social worky, but affect positive changes in their life is so wonderful. And, and I still believe in that now, but I, I tried to venture back and, and I actually couldn't because 
what I was experiencing within myself, even returning, the work was a trigger. And every time I spoke about somebody else's mental health difficulties or what they were experiencing, it triggered terrible, terrible anxiety uh, within me. And so I, I made the decision to withdraw from that profession because I knew that actually it it couldn't continue that you know it's a bit like an athlete who has you know had a terrible injury and they say well I can no longer practice that sport anymore and I have to change direction and use the skills and knowledge that I have in another way and it was a really hard thing to do but I I really commend them for supporting me and doing everything that they could to enable me to return so that I could make the decision when I was in a different place as well. Yes. So it wasn't based on a crisis management decision. I could do it in a way when I was in a more controlled and slightly positive place, which was really, really wonderful. And that led to me, um, you know, taking a, a whole year off to get better. I got a dog. Um, she was incredibly wonderful for me to have a purpose, to rebuild to as part of my journey and I then embraced the world of social media through the most amazing um, social enterprise called Tet Pixies who support women to train in social media and other things to return to work to change careers or start up a business and they gave me a lifeline because they gave me much more as well than just social media training and through that, I had a bit of fun initially um, and learned how to use all these different platforms and marketing and realized I could have a way of, you know, developing my own voice again, build up my confidence again. And I rebuilt, I rebuilt myself step by step. And I gave myself, like you said today, I gave myself permission to do it in my time. That was really wonderful as well, because that was the first time in my life that I'd given myself permission. It was the first time in my life that I'd actually probably cared for myself and not other people. And that's that's the honest to God truth. As a child, I've always been that way. And I still am. But I'd always focus on others and never on self at all. But I think and we've talked about this before. I think you do. And particularly when you work in any kind of frontline services you do have the tendency to go well other people have it worse like I don't you know I my life's pretty all right other people have it way worse I can't fall apart because actually I I you know my life's not bad like this and actually that's not how it's not how life works it's not how mental health works we don't have to compare our experiences to other people if we need to take time um, and recover then that the only comparison is to ourselves and our own journeys and not what other people is you can't pour from an empty cup can you you can't be in frontline services pouring out to other people if you're not in a good place yourself no and people used to say to me you know what are you doing with your time and I was like but I 
but I'm I'm just being. And I, I used to walk and I walked and I walked. That was a thing. Sarah, you don't like walking, but I, I actually, <laughs> I, I, I really got into it and I walked and I walked and I walked and I set myself a goal that I would walk the Thames path uh, for charity. And that again gave me a purpose and a focus. You know, it, it took, don't get me wrong, it's not been like, hey, I did all this. It took time and it took a lot of courage to do all these things. And they were tough but the one thing that I always did throughout this was to is to tell people that I hadn't been well and I wasn't ashamed of it I wasn't ashamed of it because and I will get emotional I was in a pit and it was terrible but I got out of it Mm. (laughs) you know what I mean I got out of it and I got better and so that's a good thing you know and I'm yeah people would be proud of a physical recovery from an injury so absolutely be proud of a mental health recovery and I I really liked what you said before about it's small steps and each day Mm. you're looking back going I'm in a better place than I was a few days ago the thing about those small steps though is that they are so important and that's where you have to start but often people don't think that they're going to make enough of a difference and so they don't start with them or they do them and it doesn't make everything immediately feel a lot better and so they don't continue and it's disheartening and the most important thing is that sense of hope and that appreciation that it's going to take time but there is hope and I think that the only way that other people are going to have hope is if like you say you're able to reflect on times in the past where you've been in really difficult places and you've got through them and so you know you can do them again or they hear stories like yours where you say I've been in a pit and I've got out if we only see people when they're climbing out of the pit then we don't see how deep down it's gone and so you don't know that it's possible to get out of something that's so deep I mean, one of the things that I do every day now, and this did come about from the work that I've done with Tech Pixies, to focus on your daily wins. And it sounds a bit sort of prescriptive, and I'll focus on my daily wins, you know, hashtag daily wins. But actually, it's so important to focus in on those small things that actually you have achieved during those day, during that day. And I do this with my clients now you know, looking at the strengths within us as well. That's the other thing, you know, that was something I used to do within the work that I did was always that strengths perspective. And it probably meant a lot back, it meant a lot back then, but it meant even more when I was relating it to self that I was actually, you know, that that, that you have these strengths and you're going to build on them. And then I always used to go back to how, you know, working with children and babies and how, you know, you, you take a, they take a step and we clap and we cheer and we say how wonderful that is. And then they begin to walk and we do that. But with ourselves as adults, we don't do that anymore. We don't embrace those little wins that, you know, I, I went through, I haven't walked for ages, but I went for, you know, a 10 minute walk or, you know, then the next day I went for a 15 minute walk. But with children, when they do that, we commend and we say how wonderful they are. Well, most people do. And but we forget that as adults. And actually, that's so important that we we look to to be compassionate again and celebrate those little achievements because they're not little, because they all add up to this big achievement, which is our life. Yeah. You know. So I I could listen to you talking for honestly, Sorry, forever yes, about I it, know. Sophie. No, I could, but I'm wondering now, thinking about our analogy of a stress bucket, what kind of things do you notice add stress to your bucket? What adds stress to my bucket? I think the things that add stress to my bucket are other people's stress. 
<laughs> if I'm honest, when other people yes. are stressed and they want to give it to you, and you're like, no, you can have it back. Actually, I don't want your stress. I'm not actually as cold as that. But but to a certain degree, you know, people always want to offload. Um, possibly because I'm quite a good listener. But other people stress stress within society, especially what's been going on with COVID stuff like that has really that's impacted me quite a lot this year. Um, and I've had to do a lot of work in relation to myself um, about that social media actually and I love social media but social media because it's incessant because it never stops because it never calms down because it's so bloody noisy at times and I and I love it but actually sometimes can we just like chill out all of us please you know I would love it if um everything just turned off at night <laughs> you know you know yes. how do you know how when you were a kid and um you'd go downstairs to watch tv and you had to wait until like six o'clock until the test card um stopped being on and then and then programming would start and it was really frustrating because like I really wanted to watch Barney or whatever it was I wanted there to be tv on but it was nice looking back that that downtime I've said to to Sarah in the past that one of the things I find really difficult about taking leave from my work is the fact that I know that it's while I'm not there it's still going on without me and I would really love it if everything just stopped for like a week and I could take a break or everything yeah. stopped on social media and tv and the news or whatever at night so that I it, I just knew it wasn't there but I suppose the thing is that I say to myself a lot more now and I also say to people that I work with and I coach is we have a choice in this. Mm. It's like with, with COVID and what's been going on is that I have a choice whether I engage with the news, whether I engage with you know um, all the updates. Well, I choose not to. I choose not to because it doesn't help me. It doesn't help me at all. And the same with social media. You choose to use it or you choose to turn it off. You turn your notifications off. Turn the bloody things off. You don't need to know everything. The world hasn't changed that much if you come back to it tomorrow. It really hasn't. Even if all the strategies and algorithm, all that, it's fine. It will cope and so will you. So I always say leave it. Put the phone in another room. Keep it in your living room. Keep it away from you. Do you know what I mean? So we have that choice. We do. Becca is so much better at this than I am. <laughs> I I know that I can't really get hold of Becca after about 9 30 because she's turned her phone off and it's downstairs. That's really good. <laughs> I'm not like that. Um, but that is because I catastrophize and go, yeah, but what if? What if so and so needs me? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And I know it's an issue and I'm trying to work on it. But um Becca's way more disciplined than I am. I, I need to go to bed a lot earlier than you do as well, though. That is true. So I think also your immediate family are in your house yes whereas my immediate family are not in my house yeah that's Um, true so I think that's probably the other thing that kind of plays into me going I do have my phone goes on to do not disturb which means that only only people on this emergency list can break through so only if like my mum or my dad or my grandparents called it would break through so that's a really good option and that's what's about isn't it it's about actually managing this sort of this noise and that's what I try to do um, when the stress bucket is increasing I try to manage it and I know that's um, yeah something else we can talk about but when when do you notice that point when do you notice that it's filling up weirdly enough I get very tired and I would say that's where I know that I'm still recovering from having been so unwell is that I get tired quicker than I used to Mm. and what I mean by tired, it's not that I just want to go to sleep. It's my brain gets tired. It can't take in any more information. So it's a different kind of tiredness than I'm tired because I've exerted a lot of physical energy or it's it's still 
a little bit bruised I think it still is and therefore I can I can feel it it's it's a heaviness in the head that isn't just I'm tired and I need to go to sleep it's a heaviness that says careful remember not remember in a negative way just remember okay to look after yourself but I think I mean I've known you less than an hour and what <laughs> what I have learned about you is that you are seem to be an incredibly empathetic person you feel what other people are feeling a lot you're right and actually that's that's a wonderful skill to have but it does mean that if you don't have a lot of capacity that can weigh really heavily either because you're taking it on still when you don't have capacity yeah or because you're beating yourself up about the fact that you can't take it on and there is a A bit of both probably yeah there's there's a a tiredness and a weight that come an emotional tiredness that comes yeah it's that it's an emotional tiredness and I can I can feel it and so and I sort of and it's a little alarm bell it really is it, and I but I listen to it and that's a good thing because for years and years I didn't listen I didn't listen to me actually when do other people around you notice they probably notice that I become I, I suppose I've become sometimes a little bit intolerant which is probably, yeah, I've become a little bit intolerant. So I suppose maybe a little bit, I retreat a little bit. So I'm less forthcoming, I'm less engaged, which is again, and I'm aware I'm doing it and they can see it. So they'll comment and say, are you okay? Or, And then I sort of go, yes, I'm okay. Why? Do you think I'm not? <laughs> which isn't necessarily the best thing to say. <laughs> but that's my, that's my, it's because there's an alarm bell going off inside of me and this is this is you know the truth and and so therefore if they're saying are you okay then it's a reminder that maybe I'm I wasn't okay and therefore are they seeing something I'm not and so there is an anxiety in me because I never if I can manage it I never want to go back to that place and I always say Mm. that I genuinely never want to go back there so I try to listen to what my body and what my mind is saying but I also try to listen to what other people saying and sometimes get the cues wrong and sometimes misread it because of my anxiety and and look into it a little bit too deep and try and read something that isn't necessarily there but I'm also better now at then expressing that the way I am with you today and saying am I misreading this am I trying to see something read into something that you're not actually saying because that's what I used to do I overthought things and 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 I'm trying not to do that as much now by being far more open and saying to people like you did today Sarah and saying that actually maybe I'm not in such a good place or something's pressurizing me but actually saying why it's pressurizing me and not being ashamed to say that stuff is going on and what's interesting is the next question talks about at what point do you try to do something about it. It sounds like you've been on a bit of a journey at what point you say that and maybe now you would say something sooner or do something about it sooner. Yeah, no, definitely. I definitely, I've learned from the fact that for years and years and years I didn't say anything. And like you said, I took on board everybody else's um, issues, whether it was within you know my own personal life or in professional life. And I didn't express it because it it was a fear of being seen as being weak. I'm not saying anybody would have thought that. It was within me. And that was built up from whatever had gone on when I was younger. But I'm better at understanding as I've got older that actually I can own that. And actually, if people don't want to be receptive to that and people don't 
want to work with me on that, then they're not the right people for me to be around. And I really believe that, that I don't want to have people around me who are going to drain me or, or make me unwell. And if it gets to that point where people are going to be doing that, then I will remove myself from that situation because I never want to be where I was three years ago. One of my biggest insecurities is that I worry that I'm too much for people and I as in too emotional, just too oh, too much. And um, I saw a great thing several months ago that said, you will be too much for some people. Those are not your people. Yeah, but it's and true, I'm, isn't I was it? like, that's such a good point. It is. <laughs> I was like, yeah, fine. They're not my people if that's what they'd like to think about me. That's brilliant. Um, I'm going to put it on Instagram. <laughs> it's honestly, I've got, a, I've got a graphic of it. I'll send, I'll, send, I'll send it to you. Honestly, it's so good. I think we've talked a bit about kind of what happens when your bucket has overflown before, like when it's all got too much. Has there been any point since then? that you feel like your bucket has overflowed? Yeah, uh, fairly recently, to be honest with you. As I said, uh, COVID has been a tough one to work through because because part of my anxieties, and I won't go into them, into, but part of, you know, it wasn't just related to work, but it was also related to ill health within family and myself that I'd experienced. And then COVID came along and it just like, well, it's like, it's all about ill health. And some of the things that they were talking about were things that I could relate to through family members who have been as ill and stuff. And, and it was just like, wow, I can't cope with this. And then I became actually incredibly busy with work, which was a real godsend and a blessing in these times when actually so many people have not been, you know, working or busy or, you know, and you don't have to be busy to, for it to be good. But but I was really blessed in that way. And actually it got too much. And I had to say to the people that I was working with, I, I need to take a break from doing this particular part of this role. And I have to be honest about it because there's too much going on. And again, I was supported. And th- therefore there is a change for me personally in terms of what I've, people are listening and people are hearing more. And I think what you're doing here, which is why, you know, this is like a therapy session in a sense, but <laughs> but, but, but on many other ways, it's actually so important because it's not about giving me a voice, although it is. It's about other people, like you said earlier, hearing that there is a pathway forward and that there are people there, like yourselves today, you know, what you do, Rebecca, your, you know, your psychologist and Sarah, what you do in your profession as well, you know, in teaching, but also what you're doing with this podcast. There are people who are there who are ready to listen and support and spread the word and raise awareness. And that's really bloody good and incredibly powerful. And so I experienced that and they backed off. They said, that's okay. And they gave me permission to give myself permission to move slightly to the side and give myself time. And that was really important because it enabled me to slow down Mm -hmm. and it enabled me to take a step back and it enabled me to digest the sort of mania and of what had been going on. And it enabled me to, yeah, to calm down. Mm. What you've just described, I think, sounds probably more so than anybody else that we've interviewed. Like you get to a stage where you realise that your bucket's filling up and you actually just go, right, stop. Mm. And then you think about how you're going to empty it. 
and I know that that kind of like filling and emptying process is something that's kind of constantly going and we can be thinking about how we empty at the same time that other things are coming in and filling our bucket but that description for you just really sounds like that stop hang on a minute now let me empty really intentionally so what are the things that when you've got to that stage and you've gone right I need time what helps to empty your bucket it sounds really I've got a diffuser which I got through somebody I met through Instagram (laughs) the beauty of the community on Instagram (laughs) but it's true because I've met so many amazing people and I put that on and it has some oils in that are called women's balance and the smell of it is very calming again so we're back to that calming element Mm. I like to walk a lot again we're back to that so we're back to the having space being in nature it's really really important for me to see the trees I'm going to sound odd but I like to hug a tree every now and again I don't know if you have if you haven't do it you'll get some really weird looks but genuinely if you're at peace and you can hold a tree it's the most grounding thing I've ever done the first time somebody said do it I thought they were a bit strange, but actually. (laughs) Honestly, I work with five-year-olds. It's not, I'd hug trees on a regular basis. Forest school every Monday and I'm just like, yeah, I I get it. (laughs) Yeah, so, and just having some space. And I mean that within my home as well, that I'm given space and time to just be, but also to do some specific work in terms of calming my mind down so I I tried meditation and it it wasn't really for me but I I do the breathing exercises and the the idea of accepting when my brain gets distracted in that but then I can rekindle it through the breathing again is very powerful for me and just allowing myself to be and not to have to do because we're so obsessed with doing and being busy and just saying it's okay to be. And I said tonight to my husband, I said, I give myself permission to not do what I'd set out to do over the next two weeks because I need time to be. And I struggled with that over the last few weeks because there are things for my business that I want to do and I'd got set in my mind, but actually I know that I need to stop and I need to take that time away. And I gave myself permission and I could feel the tension in my stomach and in my shoulders release. And I could feel the headache that I've had for weeks. And I mean, literally weeks on and off that tension headache go because I said, it's okay, Sophie. The world is not going to stop if you don't do these little things. Well, they're quite big, but you know what I mean? They, it won't stop mm. and it will still be there and it will be okay. I gave myself permission before I came on here. I literally heard those words and I haven't for a long time. Mm. It might have been because I was coming here to talk to you. I don't know. And I said that to him that I've given myself permission to do that. And that's something that I would urge people to work on in a way is to give yourself permission is so powerful Mm -hmm. to allow yourself to be and stop trying to be something to please others and do and do and do and do and that's what I mean we always say what do you do not who you are and that's really key 
to how I'm progressing. You know, I was on medication. I stopped medication just before COVID, uh, not deliberately because I didn't know COVID was coming, but because I felt it was my time to try and progress forward and say, can I go it alone? And, you know, as somebody said to me, if it's not right for you, you go back on it. And I know you've talked about that, Sarah, as well, because I've listened to your that episode. And that was very powerful listening to you saying that because I thought, yes, it's okay. If it's not right for me, I can go back and it will be all right. Yeah. And that was something that the therapist said to me when we finished our sessions. She said, don't forget. I was like, oh, oh I don't know if I'm ready to do this. And she said, but, but you can come back. Yeah. And I never thought of it like that. <laughs> I can make that choice to walk away, but I can make that choice to come back. And it was the most powerful thing because I thought, oh, yes, it's, it's my life. It's my mind. It's, it's me. Mm -hmm. So I can walk. But actually, if it's right, I can come back. The door is open. It's not scary. No. It's okay. And it was wonderful. So, yeah. That's so powerful. Honestly, so I've loved talking to you. It's been I've I've been sitting pleasure. here listening to you as well, just thinking, you guys would be really good friends. Oh my gosh, honestly. <laughs> I have loved talking to you. And I could talk to you oh, for hours. But we will uh finish up. Where can people find you? Uh, on not you know, not physically, obviously. That sounds creepy. Yeah. Um, Tell us your address. <laughs> on on social media, Instagram that we love a lot. Yes, yeah, so you can find me at Socially Sophie B on Instagram. It's the best place to come and find me. And come and say hi, because I'm always there going, hello. Well, no, I'm not always there saying hello. I have shut down time. There you go. Yeah. Sometimes you give yourself permission to not I, be there. <laughs> I do. Thank you very much for this, Rebecca and Sarah. Thank you. It's been amazing. Seriously, it really has. Thank been you a pleasure. As well. yeah. Thank you so much, Sophie, for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we hope you will join us next time with our next guest. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Drop in the Bucket. If you want to connect with us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Drop in the Bucket Pod or Twitter at Drop Bucket Pod. Alternatively, you could email us on Drop in the Bucket Pod at gmail.com. It would be great to hear from some of you about what fills and empties your bucket or any questions that you might have for us or our future guests. We hope you'll tune in next week. <laughs>